Well, go ahead and grab a Bible and turn to Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, if your pew Bible in front of you, or look it up on your device, just look up Psalm 23. I, I know we're just looking at a few words this morning, but I think the habit of turning in Scripture it trains both our, our minds and our, our bodies to expect something when we go to God's Word that it matters, that, we, uh, that God's Word will change us and stick with us in a way that uh, nothing I ever say will. And so I want us to dig into God's Word, keep the Bible open as we walk through it, maybe make some notes on Psalm 23 as we walk through. Uh, last summer, I was uh, out in Colorado and got talked into hiking uh, um, uh, one of the 14ers, one of the 14,000 plus foot mountains uh, there in Colorado. And uh, just with a small group of people, we decided to go hiking. We got there, it was early in the season, so the trail had just been open for a week or so. And uh, down at the bottom, as we parked our car and we started hiking, it was relatively easy and, uh, and the path was clear and it was dry and uh, the path was kind of flat too, right? And then as we start climbing up and we start to get higher and higher and higher, again, it was early in the season, the snow had not melted yet, uh, and there were, there were lots of places where there was snow uh, on the path. So we had reached the top uh, after several hours, but to get there, uh, we had to cross several places where these snow fields had covered the path and we could not quite tell. So you can see there, the path goes right into this snow, snow field on the side of the trail. And honestly, some of the people I was hiking with were not in the best shape. And so I got a little antsy and impatient, and I went ahead. Well, having never hiked this mountain before and not being a very experienced hiker myself, many times I found myself going, am I still on the right path? Is there any path here? Where am I going? What's happening? And so I had a hard time deciding, am I on the right path? In the hills around ancient Palestine, which is the setting for Psalm 23, there were all these mazes of trails, faint impressions, and only a shepherd would know, is that a right path? Will that lead to the right place? Or is it the wrong path? Will it lead somewhere we do not want to go? Will it lead to danger for the sheep? One of the things that David had in mind when he writes these words. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. One of the things he had in mind were these exact trails that were hard to discern sometimes, and only a shepherd could help the sheep navigate. One theologian said that Psalm 23 speaks to the most common anxieties of human existence, to which I would count Am I on the right path to be one of the most common anxieties of human existence? We want to know whether it's something big or small. Am I on the right path? Did I choose the right career? Am I doing a good job? Did I marry the right person? Did I make the right choice to dump him or her? Am I doing a good job raising my kids? Am I spending my time or money wisely? Is my life adding up to something significant? Are my beliefs aligned with my behavior? Is what I believe true? Where am I going when I die? These are questions that we ask about the path that we are on. And, and the Bible does not offer clear-cut answers to most of those questions, but it does offer us guidance 
for seeking a right path. And I believe it starts with this. Obedience is better than control. It's greater than control. Obedience is more important than control. You see, when we try to seek a right path in our lives, many of us go into control mode. How can we make the right decisions, do the right things? How can we control our way onto the right path? But what if a better way is obedience? Now, I know that obedience for us in the 21st century is not a word that inspires us. It doesn't get us very excited or passionate. But obedience is very important. I mean, imagine a small child who wants to stick a fork in an electrical outlet. Now, I would say that obedience to the parents' wishes and demands is more important than letting that kid have control over whatever they want to do. Obedience is greater than control. Control would only be better than obedience if we are capable of finding and staying on the right paths all by ourselves. And yet, thousands of years of human existence and our own daily experience of brokenness confirms we are not capable of doing the right thing all the time on our own. We need someone to lead us on right paths. In fact, this is what you have to know about Psalm 23 and these verse, this verse right here, that sheep were incapable of walking the right path. The sheep that were self-led could never end up on the right path. The sheep that followed a shepherd could only end up on the right path. Obedience was the only thing, was the key to ending up on the right path. And the fascinating thing is this, sheep who were not on the right path did not know it. They believed they were on the right path. And why wouldn't they? All around them, there are other sheep. There are sheep in front of me. There are sheep behind me. We must be going in the right direction. We've walked this path before. Everything confirmed to them they were on the right path until it was too late. And it's possible for us to not be following Jesus but to believe that everything is fine because the world around us is confirming and reinforcing we're on the right path. In fact, I want to talk about four really quick ways that, that a right path often looks in our world that might lead us astray. The first is this. A right path in the world often looks successful. That if it's up and to the right, it must be correct. In some ways, there are there are some of us here, including myself, who are very type A people, and we just want to know, just tell us, what is the thing I need to do to walk the right path? What is the one thing that I can achieve and accomplish, and I know I'll be right? So sometimes in the world, goodness looks like success or accomplishments or achievements. The second is that it's gratifying. It's gratifying. I don't know about you, but I quickly will give up on something that's boring no falling asleep, by the way. I will give up on something that's boring or that's hard because I want something that's immediately gratifying. We think that it, it must feel good or it must be wrong, that, that the right path is defined by what's pleasurable or what's satisfying or what's gratifying. The third is it's celebrated. I know that for myself, if, if I want to watch a show or a movie, I want to know first that others think it's a good show or a movie. I want it to be celebrated. I want it to be liked. I want it to be praised. And, 
in fact, social media has just made this worse that we judge things based on how many hearts or thumbs up or comments that it gets. We think if people like it, if it's popular, if it's praised, it must be right, it must be good. And the fourth is this, comfortable. Now look, none of us like to be uncomfortable. I like to have the temperature in my house dialed in perfectly so I can sleep at night. None of us like to be uncomfortable, but what we find is that Sometimes when it's hard, we just quit. We take our ball and we go home. We leave, we change because it's not comfortable. It's not fun anymore. And we've been trained to believe that if it's easy or if it's comfortable, it must be the right thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with things being popular. There's nothing wrong with things being comfortable. There's nothing wrong with being gratifying or successful. But they are not, biblically speaking, indicators that you are on the right path. Because we can control our way onto paths that seem successful or convenient or popular, but there's no guarantee that they are the right path. In fact, that's the bad news. The bad news is that none of us can find a right path on our own. We're just like sheep. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he said that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We insist that we know best, and then we end up on the wrong path. But the good news, the gospel, and gospel just means good news. The good news is that Jesus is the right path. In fact, one of Jesus' first followers, Thomas, once asked Jesus, how do we find the right way, Jesus? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So even in our brokenness, even in our sin, even in our disobedience and selfishness, we are led onto the right path because Jesus is our right path. And doesn't it make sense that we expect a path if we're following one who's known as the suffering servant might be a little hard at times. It might be uncomfortable. It might be challenging, but that it's good for us because God is with us. Many of you learned a translation of Psalm 23 that said, paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. And there's a reason that it's translated as righteousness. And honestly, like, it's a lot more daunting. Right path sounds a lot more fun than paths of righteousness to many of us. It sounds more daunting, but the thing about it is it's a path of righteousness because it's a path that only Jesus can truly walk. And he gratefully, he willingly, he lovingly walks it for us. The death and resurrection of Jesus makes a way for us to be right with him so that we are on the right path because he is our right path. But if Jesus is our right path, if he is our right path, how do we know that we are with Jesus? How do we know that we are on the right path? What indicators might we seek? So I have a few I want you to consider. The first is that you increase in neighbor love. The right paths lead us to love our neighbors first. You see, when sheep were not led by a shepherd onto the right path, they would go to the same paths and they would end up in the same fields over and over. And the problem with that is they would eat all the grass in those fields and those fields would become desolate and barren. They would be unhealthy and unproductive for them or for anyone else. 
the wrong paths, when humans live on the wrong paths, it leaves behind a demolished and hurting world. But Jesus said the most important command is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you growing in your love for neighbor? Are you, are you growing in your love for those who God has put on your path? The second one is this, you discover new ground. The right paths lead us to new ground. It is not comfortable for those of us who like, don't like change. But the right paths always lead to new ground because sheep were creatures of habit. If they did not have a shepherd leading them, they'd walk the same path over and over and over and over. And what happens is if the sheep walk the same path day after day, they become a ditch and then they become a dangerous gully. Bad for the sheep, bad for everyone. In fact, one, uh, one shepherd and writer, Philip Keller, says, the stubborn, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient sheep that persists in pursuing its old paths and grazing on its old polluted ground will end up a bag of bones on ruined land. Ah, it's tough, man. We like our ruts. We like the familiar. We don't want newness. We don't want to be led onto new ground. The sheep had to be made uncomfortable. They had to be led onto new ground because if they got stuck in the same old place, it would ruin their lives. Friends, we cannot claim to worship and follow a God who came back from the dead if we desire to be stuck in the old ways. Resurrection is not a doctrine for us to memorize. It's a way of life for power in the spirit of God. He calls us to newness. Whether this is our first day in church in years or ever, or we've been in church for 80 years, he calls us to newness. Where are you stuck in a rut? Where does God want to call you on to new ground? The third is that there's less of you. It says, you are led onto the right paths for his name's sake, not for your name's sake. For his name's sake. The shepherd's reputation was based on the health of his flock. One of Jesus' earliest followers, John, said that he, Jesus, must become greater. I must become less. If you're walking the right path, there is less of you. And there's more of Jesus. There's less control and there's more obedience. One writer and theologian, Jamie Smith, said that discernment requires something of us, but it is not a feat of our ingenuity. Discernment is a grace. We need only to achieve the posture of receptivity to welcome it. Discerning the right path in our lives it's not about control. It is a lifelong trust, a lifelong transfer of trust from ourselves to Jesus. We can only receive it as a gift. Are you on the right path? Is your ego and selfishness shrinking or is it expanding? The last one is this, and I think it's the most important. You're on the right path if you're behind Jesus. 
The one who said, take up your cross and follow me. It may be a difficult path, but if you're following in his footsteps, it is the right path if you're out in front of him. I'm often way more interested in a path that I can control. But what happens is if I'm in control, my eyes are not on the shepherd. My eyes have forgotten to follow the shepherd. How do I know if I'm on the right path? My eyes are on the shepherd and I trust that he has what's best for me. We cannot control our way onto right paths. And we need to be reminded that obedience is greater than control because we often prefer Shakespeare to Jesus, to thine own self be true, rather than keeping our eyes on the shepherd. Control is born out of trust in self. And obedience is born out of trust in Jesus. And we need to follow him intentionally to keep our eyes on him. Now, I think this is true for us as Christ followers, but I also want you to see that it's true for us as a church too. That these things are just as true for us if we evaluate, are we on the right path as a, as a body of Christ? Are we, are we doing the right things? Are we moving in the direction God wants us? I think it's the exact same evaluation. Now, this past week, uh, I was down in Houston for a few days meeting with some leaders from our denomination, and we spent a lot of time discussing the state of, of our churches in uh, our denomination, but also just churches across the country. And, and there's a lot of churches that are unhealthy. There are a lot of churches that are dying and plateaued. There are a lot of churches that are shutting their doors. There are a lot of churches that have bad leaders. There are a lot, there's a lot of unhealth in the church in America right now. And look, I know that the last few years have been weird for all churches, including CPC. But I'm incredibly excited about what God's doing here. I believe that there's something fresh happening, something energetic. Last weekend, we had 60 freshmen that, uh, that confirmed their faith in Jesus. We just saw we had a great new member class that we had in both services. I think there are amazing things happening. But it would be so easy to buy our own press. It'd be so easy to settle for energy and to fall short of keeping our eyes on the shepherd. And so I think all those things are true for us. Not only we keep our eyes on the shepherd, we want to grow in neighbor love. It's not about just what we prefer and what we like, but about loving our neighbors that God has called us to. There's less of us. It's not about our pride. It's not about our ego. It's not about our preferences. And then that also means that we need newness. <laughs> Again, we don't love change, but we regularly need God to lead us to new places. The same old, same old, same old is a recipe, not just for insanity, but for being stuck and for settling for the wrong path, not the right path that God has for us. Do we want Jesus to lead us? Do you want Jesus to lead you? Do you trust that he has what's best for you? Theologian Dallas Willard once said, you cannot drift into a life of constant companionship with Jesus. It's a trusting, ongoing, daily walk with Jesus that takes intentionality. That's what he wants for us. Am I discovering new ground? Is there less of me? Am I increasing in love of others? Are my eyes on the shepherd? Let's stay behind him and trust that what he has for us is far greater than anything we can control or do on our own. If you want to be on the right path, follow the shepherd.
Hey, I want to close us uh, before we take communion together. I want to close us with a with reciting Psalm 23 together. And so I've I've told you that I will say it without without notes, um, and that you know makes me a little nervous, but I'll do it. Um, and I would encourage you if you've been trying to don't use notes. We're not going to put it on the screens. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 23 if you need to follow along. Um, but I'm going to ask you to say it with me, and then when we're done, Pastor Emily is going to come and lead us uh, in communion this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He leads me in beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.